It's Pentecost Sunday. What fun. Now, um, we've got some friends staying with us, um, um, one of a couple, Murray and Martha, and I, I, I live with these guys in Cape Town for um, three or four years. And I was remembering on, on one occasion, um, Murray and I, along with their son Grant and a few of his friends, we went, went for, for a couple of days walking in the mountains. And so we drove out of Cape Town for about three hours to this um, amazing farm, this huge place. And we walked for, for a couple of days. We slept out under the stars. We, um, we, we, we didn't take carry mats. That's a, that's a little bit soft. We, we, we slept on this stuff, stuff called Slangboss. They only told me um, a couple of days later that means snake bush because um, that's a good place for snakes to live. But um, anyway, that's what we, it is quite comfortable. It's springy. It's like a sort of heavenly built spring mattress. So we slept down the stars. It was glorious. We, we swam in, in rock pools and just some good time out in the outdoors. And, um, and so then, then we were driving back to Cape Town. It's about a three-hour drive and about an hour into it. Where I said, actually, we're having a bit of trouble with the car. Oh, gosh. And, um, and so we pulled over a little bit, had another go. No, nope, still wouldn't get anywhere. So we had to wave someone down, and they towed us. They towed us to the next town, but it was a weekend, so the garage wasn't open. And so we got a friend of ours, actually one of the other children's parents, drove the hour and a half out of Cape Town to pick us up. We drove back in, and then that following week, um, the, the, the guy who generally looks after Murray's cars, he sent one of his mechanics out to the car. And there was a problem with the car. The problem was that the um, fuel gauge was broken. And so we didn't realize this car was out of petrol. So um, this, there was, that was a thing that was wrong. And the car had just run out of petrol. So all of this pulling over, getting towed to the thing, sitting in a hotel for a couple of hours playing a game. Someone comes out of Cape Town, turns us back to Cape Town. And then, um, and then the next day, a, a mechanic comes. Says, I'm just going to try this. Put some petrol in the thing. And then the car works brilliantly. <laughs> So that's Murray, everyone. And um, sometimes my life can be a little bit like that. That actually, there's calling on my life, and there's ways I want to serve, and there's a difference I want to make, and there's an impact I want to have on those around me, and there's dreams I have and hopes I have, but actually, I'm out of fuel. That, um, that I don't achieve anything like what I could do because I'm out of fuel. I'm limited by me and I haven't I haven't got all the power I could have and, and maybe you can relate a little bit to, to, to this maybe sometimes we're just running on empty actually like you can be in church and hear these nice things that sounds nice it would be nice to forgive someone it would be nice to reach out to my neighbours it would be nice to, to be building the kingdom in my place of work or in my school but actually I'm just a bit out of fuel and today's Pentecost Sunday, so we're going to be talking a little bit about, about how we get refueled. And really, actually, ultimately, what's God's strategy for reaching a town? And um, here it is. So, now I know every Sunday in, in 2019, with the exception of Mother's Day, we've been in the book of Mark. We're not going to be in Mark today, guys. We're going to jump for one day to the book of Acts. Because... Um, Pentecost didn't happen in the book of Mark, so otherwise I would have stayed there. But, um, so we're in the book of Acts, we're going to be around chapter 2 largely, but just quickly one verse, from Acts 1 verse 8, it says, But when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be filled with power. You know, you're going to be refueled. You will be filled with power, and you will be my witnesses for me 
in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what happens is when we get filled with the Spirit, we get a new power. We get a new power. And it's, it's actually, it's got a purpose. It's a power with a purpose. And that is that we will be witnesses. So we will tell people and show people what Jesus is like when we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what's going to happen. Because in the Old Testament, previously, the Holy Spirit would rest on certain people, particular people, in particular places, at particular times, for particular tasks. You saw that. So someone like, someone like Samson, it would say, the Spirit fell on Samson and they did something amazing. Or like Gideon, the Spirit fell Gideon, he did something amazing. Particular people, at particular time, for a particular task. But here, everything's shifting. Because the Holy Spirit's going to be, well, we'll find out, we'll find out. So, we're going to be in... in um, Acts chapter 2, the, the, the first few verses. So Jesus said it's going to happen, and then, when the, the day of Pentecost came, all the believers were gathered together in one place. Suddenly, there was a noise from the sky which sounded like a strong wind blowing, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then they saw what looked like tongues of fire which spread out and touched each person. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. When could the person next to you say, all? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to talk in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. So this is the day that we're marking today. So Pentecost was actually one of the big Jewish festivals, and it meant that everyone would come to Jerusalem. But um, the church has sort of hijacked it because, um, because something amazing happened at Pentecost, and it was this, the Holy Spirit was poured out on God's people. So they're all together, you get this noise from the sky, and a sense of a strong wind. And sometimes, actually, when we pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us, we get that feeling like a strong wind. A number of times when I've been filled with the Spirit, I've actually I've fallen over because of the sense of, the sense of God's presence. Or sometimes we just feel like a kind of a heaviness, a sense that God is here, that it's not just me, that God's right here. We get that sometimes. And then it, it goes on to talk about they had what looked like tongues of fire which spread out and touched each person. And um, actually, in, um, in kind of ancient mythology, um, tongues of fire would often mean the, the kind of anointing of the gods. So it was a sense that, that God was anointing people. But also, God's putting fire inside of people. He's putting fire inside of people. Um, we, 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 we talk sometimes about the, about the difference between a Christian and a spirit-filled Christian. And it's a bit like what we used to have in our... Um, in, in our lounge, we had like a gas heater, and, and it would have the, the, the um, pilot light that would, that would burn the whole time. And, you know, you've got the Holy Spirit, but then you turn it on, and whoom, suddenly the whole thing would take off. And that's a bit of a sense, really, of the difference between we've all got the Holy Spirit, but we get filled with the Spirit. But also, with this fire, with, with, with fire you experience warmth, and that's something the Holy Spirit always does. Is when the Holy Spirit fills us, we realize that God is not cold or distant, that God is warm towards us. So often, the, 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 the reminder we get when we're filled with the Spirit is that you are completely loved. Actually, you're not held at a distance, you're not far away, but you are loved. That God is warm towards you, that his heart is burning for you. We, we, we get that kind of warmth. When we're filled with the Spirit. And then, 
they began to talk in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. That's quite fun. So on this particular occasion, as, as, as we're going to read in a moment, um, they, they spoke human languages. And so, um, and so they spoke to people about who Jesus was. Now, I've, I've, I've spoken in tongues for probably, also since I was in my early teens, and I'm not still in my early teens. That was um, about 20 years ago, I know. But um, on one occasion in, the, in that 20 years, when I was speaking in tongues, someone recognized it as an as a earthy language. It was on an alpha weekend, and an Egyptian lady recognized I was speaking some Arabic words about, about God's blessing and about, about, it's hard to translate, about kind of abundance and good things, um, which she found really helpful. But it, uh, and, and sometimes that happens, but, but, but um, often it's, um, it's, it's a heavenly language that, that, that we receive. It's like a gift for us, to, for us to worship, a gift for us to pray, a way that we can express our hearts to God without having to think too much about it. Just, this is really what I'm bringing to God. Not, not sort of thinking it through in a kind of, in a kind of must be logical and, and, and fit in a thing, but actually skipping out the, the, the head and saying, my heart is saying this to God. That language. And so what happens in these next few verses is having been filled with the Spirit, having gone from the pilot light to the from having been reminded of, of, of God's warmth towards them, these guys leave that place and they head out to the marketplace. Now, I mentioned it as, as a Jewish festival, Pentecost. That meant people were in Jerusalem from all across the known world. And then these guys were speaking in all of these languages. And, um, and what they've experienced just overflows. This experience just overflows to all of these people and it lists the various countries and it says in verse 12 amazed and confused they kept asking each other what does this mean but others made fun of the believers saying these people are drunk now we'll come back to that in a moment but um, some people talk about Pentecost as reversing the Tower of Babel so back in the start of the Bible in, in, in Genesis there's a story where people were trying to be were trying to make a name for themselves, were trying to prove that they were even greater than God, and so God confused them and gave them all different languages. Um, but what we see happen at Pentecost is actually when the Spirit comes, there's a, a new unity uh, across the world and across God's people. And, um, and, and, what, and one thing the Holy Spirit does do, actually, is, is He gives us the ability to connect. And then... Um, Part of the vision for the church is actually that it's everyone of every shape, story, color, context. And what we see at Pentecost is, is God enabling that to happen. That where there's barriers between people, in this case they're, they're language barriers, the Holy Spirit can, can overcome those. But for us we're thinking, okay, we want to reach everyone in Swindon, whatever their story, whatever their class if you like, whatever their language, whatever their experience of life, whatever their experience of church, well it's the Holy Spirit that's going to help us do that, just like he did then. And so people were amazed, and then this I love, but others made fun of the believers saying, these people are drunk. Now, I've seen people speak other languages, and when I see people speak other languages, I think, that's amazing, I can never do that. I don't think you must be drunk. So there must have been something else that people saw in these few believers that made them think, these guys, these guys have been on the booze. And um, 
some of the things that we see with drunk people is they're quite joyful and jolly and fun. There's, there's often a, 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 a fun, a happiness that goes with that. There's life, there's energy. Um, also, people lose their inhibitions. They're not so fussed about what everyone thinks about them. They're a little bit more freed up. Now, I'm not suggesting this is a good thing, but, um, but, but this is what you see. And, and I just love, so some people talk about Pentecost as the birthplace of the church. That, I mean, people would prefer other places. But this is what I love, right? So the birth, this is a birthday of the church. This means this is the first recorded sermon in the whole story of the church that's gone on for 2,000 years, over 2 billion people around the world. This is the first sermon. You ready for this? The opening line to the first sermon. Peter stood up with the other apostles in a loud voice to speak to the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, listen to me and let me tell you what this means. These people aren't drunk, as you suppose. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. That's the opening line to the first sermon in the church ever. And, you know, sometimes we feel like as a church we have to work hard to explain to people, you know, actually we really are relevant. Or actually we really have got something to say. Or actually we're really not just a group of judgmental people. Or actually really this is good for you. Or we have to kind of claw our way into, into relevance. Imagine if we were so full of the Spirit if we were so overflowing in God's love and God's joy, if there was such fire in each one of us because we were so full of his presence that Swindon looked onto us and said, what on earth is going on in there? Yeah, thanks, Kathy. That, that there was so much life because of what the Spirit was doing that people looked on and they had to come up with some sort of explanation. Are these guys on the booze? Are these guys... There's something different about what's happening there, and I want to find out more. And it's not just that we have to be silly, but we want to be alive, don't we? We want to be alive. And this is, this is where, we, where we see it happen. And so Peter explains, listen, I promise we're not drunk. We're alive. We're full of the Spirit. But actually, this is what the prophet Joel promised, my favorite prophet in the Old Testament. The prophet Joel, he said this, this is what I will do in the last days. And the last days is between where Jesus came to earth and when he returns. In the last days, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pour out my Spirit on everyone. Wink at the person next to you, say everyone. On everyone. Your sons and daughters will proclaim my message. So that means it's for male and female. It says... Um, Young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. So it's for young and old. You're never too old. You're never too young. Like our children, our young people, they don't get a junior Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit. You're not too young. You're not too old. I once, um, I once fell asleep in a prayer meeting. And um, when I woke up, <laughs> thanks, Dan. When I woke up, the, the, the person says to me, I thought we were supposed to be old men that dream dreams. So there you go. Nice little Bible joke for you. So it's young and old. Yes, even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. So even the servants, so this is irrespective of age, it's irrespective of gender, and it's irrespective of where you feel like you fit socially. Servants had nothing. They owed nothing. In fact, they were property. And, and um, the prophet Joel prophesied, repeated here by Peter on Pentecost, this is for everyone. 
you, there are no disqualifying factors. This is for everyone. It doesn't matter if you've gone down this road before and it, and it hasn't been fun or, it doesn't, or, 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 or you've walked away. It doesn't matter if this is brand new for you. It doesn't matter if you feel like you fit here or not. This is for everyone. That's what we're told. That's what it says. I will perform miracles in the sky above and wonders on the earth below. And then Peter goes on to preach this amazing sermon. He, he says a little bit about who Jesus was, about salvation, about um, how it fits in with the whole story of God's people, about new life. And then people say to him, verse 37, they were deeply troubled this, and they say to Peter and the other apostles, what shall, we do to, what shall we do, brothers? And Peter said, each one of you must turn away from your sins, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins will be forgiven, and you will receive this gift, the Holy Spirit. And then this is where it gets really fun. Verse 41. It says, Many of them believed his message and were baptized. About 3,000 people were added to their group that day. 3,000 people. That's how I feel. 3,000 people were added to the number that day. And you know, like, we talk about God's strategy for reaching a town. Well, this is it. The strategy is this. That God takes a small group of people and fills them with the Holy Spirit and they go reach a whole town. That's the strategy. That a small group of drenched people can transform a town. A small group of drenched people can transform a town. In fact, the, 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 the number, we're told in Acts, Acts 1, verse 15, I think, it says... Um, about 120 in all. So about 120 people, which is pretty much the number we got here today. It takes 120, fills them with the Spirit so much that people look on and say, what's that about? They share a message and 3,000 people are added. You know, it makes me think my dream of 1,000 baptisms might be a little bit small. Hey? A small group of drenched people can transform a town. Kath mentioned a few weeks ago the, um, the amazing story of the, of the, the, the um, revival in the, Scot in the Scottish Hebrides, um, 1949 to, um, to 52. And what it started with was a few drenched people. There was two old ladies. One um, could hardly see. The other one was, was crippled with arthritis. And they prayed faithfully for God to move on their islands. And they prayed for hours and hours. And then they even got some other people involved, a small group, and they talk about one particular prayer meeting where, where someone said, I just feel like God's saying this needs to start with us. And so they read the words of Psalm 24. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can stand in the most holy place? He or she who has clean hands and a pure heart. And, and they thought God was saying, we need to get right with God ourselves. And so they knelt down, each one of them. They knelt down and prayed, God, would you, we're sorry for all of our stuff. Would you make us right? And would you start this, this move of God? Would you start it with us? Would you start it with me? And in that room, they felt something shift. They were filled again with the Holy Spirit. They felt him moving amongst them. And they thought, now it's time. They called over an evangelist from the UK called him Duncan Campbell. He came over to, to the Scottish Hebrides to start two weeks of revival meetings. He was there for two years. 
There were stories of addictions being broken, alcoholics being set free in a moment. There was repentance and new life. Hundreds of people, they even closed down some of their prisons. A small group of drenched people can transform the Hebrides, can transform Swindon. But it takes us being filled with the Spirit. Us being filled with the Spirit. I've got a friend called James, um, and he's a brilliant guy. He, he works in a school. And he, um, he came with us. We went for like a day conference with a guy called Robbie Dawkins, who has a particular, particular gift for him for really encouraging the church to pray for healing. That's a particular gift he has. And so um, we came to that day, and James heard some of it. And he was, he was filled up again. He was drenched. And so um, the following week... In his, in his school, he, one of his colleagues was hobbling around with, his, with a dodgy knee. He said, listen, I'd really love to pray for you. Could, could I do that? And she said, mm, I suppose so. She, I don't think she realized he meant like then and there. But um, so they did. So she prayed for her, for, for, he prayed for her knee. And, um, and, and, and she felt dramatic improvement. And then there was another lady, uh, actually from, from another faith, in the room saying, that's amazing. I've got, I've got a really dodgy back. It's been giving me trouble for ages. And so he prayed for her. And she was completely healed of her back pain. And now, pretty much every week, James is praying for someone at his workplace to be healed. One drenched person can transform a workplace. A group of drenched people can transform a town. Like, what might it look like if every day we were inviting God into it, saying, each morning, Holy Spirit, fill me up. Fill me up with your presence. All of the usual stuff, the fear, the comparison, the, the, the stuff that's weighing me down. Wash that away with your Holy Spirit and come with me into my day. Imagine the difference that, that, that you might have, maybe on your colleagues, maybe on, on people you're at school with, maybe on, on friends and neighbors. What might it look like if we're filled with the Spirit and we live that out each day? If... Um, if we get our priorities from, from God, not from our own stuff, how might that shift? Like we've got, we talk about vision often at, at Patton Church. We're inviting people into family to serve Swindon. That's what we're about. We're, we're passionate about the 200,000 people not coming to church. That's why we're, 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 we're leading what we're doing with Alpha. We're trying to work out how we really treasure those guys who are starting this journey with us. There's, we talk about strategy. We, we, we try and keep organized church things to Sundays and Wednesdays. Why? Because we want to be alive and engaged. And this is all good stuff. And, and I think it's from the Lord. But um, that's, like, that's like our car without any fuel. If we're not filled with the Spirit, it needs each one of us to be drenched because a small group of drenched people can transform a town. Imagine if each one of us was filled with the Spirit, if we went from being pilot-like Christians to form Christians. If, I mean, imagine how that might impact our families. Imagine that might, how that might impact our homes. Imagine how that might impact the places around us as we're taking risks, as we're stepping out praying for healing, as we're walking in God's wisdom, not just our own, as we're, as we're not held back by the usual kind of fear that holds us back, but we're taking steps in boldness, that we're praying for people, that we're speaking words of life, that we're inviting God into everything. And we're doing it completely in his power, not ours. Imagine the impact we could have. Imagine the lives that, lives that would be changed. 
Imagine the people we, we could see restored, the people we could see finding family, the people we could see finding new life. Imagine the fun it would be. A small group of people who are drenched in the Holy Spirit could transform a town. And the question for each one of us is, um, is it me? Is it me? The Holy Spirit is for everyone. The break is not on his end, it's on our end. Is it me?